What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 114, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Nightwalkers. Ooh, scary. They weren't that scary. We are an independent podcast. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate, spelt precisely as it should be. In there, we've got tiers, we've got privileges, there's all sorts of fun things that we got going on. Uh, Zach will tell you a little more about that in a bit. Uh, The... Uh, oh yeah, Patreon first stuff like uh, the walking. No, the other side of the gate, where typically Zach and David talk about spoilery things. So I'm not invited, but we did have yes. a special one that we recorded last night that we will be producing here pretty shortly and dropping in there. Uh, also, we have the Stargate Second Chances podcast, where based off of your votes, Patreon listeners, we rewatch episodes of Stargate that we've covered before. And then give it another go, like talk about what we might have seen differently about it and give it a re-ranking. So those privileges are there for the Patreon folks. And then for the rest of us that are sitting here like, wait a minute, that sounds suspiciously like paid only content, mister. And I've been saying, no, it is paid first content. We will put all of the jazz that we create, not jazz, although... I don't know. I'm terrible at jazz. Um, We will make all of the stuff that we do in the Patreon area available on our main feed. Feeds, not just the one, but it's in many places. Uh, Friend, you you have already found our podcast, but if somebody in your life wants to have a bit more Stargate-related content, they can find our little uh, project at Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. But uh, I recommend that you tell them. Investigate yourself for your favorite podcast aggregator and then type in Walking Through the Stargate and you'll find our show. Uh, and it, dip, dip, did I go through the whole intro already? Huh. Look at that. Uh, you know, I'm impressed. I, I, I was just staring out the window doing my thing and then all of a sudden I look down and I'm like, wait, there, is there anything else that I need to say before I pitch it to Zach? No. So friends, um, you know, so Zach, if, if our friends that are listening want to uh, give me some ideas of uh, babble that I can put into the intro so that next time I have a more rich experience, how might they, how might they do that? So <clears throat> if you want to share with Brent how he can do a better job of remembering where he is in his script and not be surprised when he's come to the end of his script, <laughs> then you can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate.gmail.com. Uh, that's walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, not walkingthroughstargate.gmail.com. Anyway, it's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. That's right. So nice. You can email us there, or you can follow us on Twitter and talk to us at Stargate Walking. Brent is the mm-hmm. uh, uh, manager of the tweets, so <laughs> such that it is such as it is. <laughs> uh, neither one of us are really good at uh, yeah. social media. Um, this is the thing that I like about Facebook because we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Is that we now have a Facebook group that is sufficiently large that it can run on its own, and I don't have to uh, be the point. constant generator of things because. I'm that's bad at that. A, that's a great point. Facebook, our Facebook group definitely has that over the Twitter situation, which I guess is by its very nature. Like Twitter, I don't know. I guess you could do hashtags or whatever. I don't know. Don't care. Whatever. We got we got the tweets. You can tweets and you can Facebooks and you yes. can visit our website at wtts.space. Space. Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't remember wtts.space. <laughs> 
you can also find us at walkingthroughthestargate.com. Yes. That'll get you the if same place. To type all that out. Walking through the Stargate. What Yahoo's made this website? Me! I did! I did this! Woohoo! Yes, that was all. I still haven't put up the grilled cheese recipe. Um, somebody else came, or somebody mentioned a thing on Facebook, which I didn't see because I'm not on Facebook because I can't stand it. But David was mentioning that as he was thinking through what somebody else said, David said to me, Brent, you know what you should do? And I was like, what should I do? And he said, you should put up a feedback form or something on the website. And I'm like, oh, yes, that is a good idea. So maybe someday there'll be a feedback form. You know, Probably the same day I put up the grilled cheese recipe. So all we need right now is like one month of not having to do anything else but our oh hobby. Gosh. And oh. then we can get everything set and prepped and ready to go and we'll be uh, good. That would be delightful. Uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Ah, uh, nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the chart of the people that got our predictions right. Now, that would be good. Because we actually had some people predict it correctly last week, Brent. Oh, man. You know what? Like, we could like do the manager or like the employee of the month style thing. Ooh. Where, right? Like, you get your picture up on. I mean, no, you get a picture. You get to choose whatever picture you want. Oh, man, we should do that. You get to pick whatever picture that you want on the website to represent you. Could be you. Could be something else. And it, then we'd be it, like, it has to be appropriate. What, whatever. Appropriate oh, yeah, means. yeah. I mean, if it's inappropriate, then I reserve the right to make it hilarious. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> if it's inappropriate, you're putting yourself at risk of me, who is very, very tough to make blush, uh, to just be like, I can make this work. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and some listener out there is like, challenge accepted. Oh, yeah, except that I'm I'm too much of a saucy libertine to be like, you know what? Try it. Try it. Besides, I mean, if I don't like it, I don't post it. There we go. There, the there is a great deal of truth to that. That's the ultimate <laughs> block. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. Uh, and, of course, um, with all of that, if you have decided that what you uh, would like to do is participate in the supporting of this podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash walking Stargate and join us there. We've got the other side mm-hmm. of the gate. We've got Stargate Second Chances. You talked about those already. We've got yep. several tiers. Uh, later on this week, I will be sending out uh, some votes for May. So those yep. who have... Uh, participated in the May pledging, we'll get those votes available to them, and it'll be a grand old time. We are getting dangerously close to being forced to rewatch the movie Stargate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. eight of votes out of ten on that. Uh, yep. The next closest is Bane with six. So Yay! Um, That's going to be so much fun! Yes. You know, I, 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 I'm listening to some other podcasts, and there are some other people who like Bane, too. Um, well, that's because it's the best television programming in the world. Sure. So it's obvious they would like it. Uh, clearly, clearly. Um, but what is? <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna move on. <laughs> I have no witty transition there, so I'm just gonna make a hard right. Oh, turn. you don't need wit when the when when I'm dropping raw truth. Boom. Okay. You got so, some. Uh, you got some raw truths to drop on me. I like have raw facts? truth. To drop on you, not about Bane, but about Nightwalkers. 
There we go. Let's Which do it. Is let's get into this. the episode that we're going to talk about today. Yes. So let's talk about it. All right. <laughs> so the director for this episode is Peter DeLuise. Uh-huh. Uh, this, oh, wait, I forgot to look for him. Well, he was there. He actually walked out of the diner at one point in time in gotcha. a shirt okay. and vest, kind of a, a relaxed. Uh, it was a button-down shirt. It might have been a jean shirt. I don't know. But then he had this vest yeah. over it, and you know, just sure. just you know, whatever. Um, whatever. This is his second of seven directing credits this season. He did Descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Descent, he uh, directed the teleplay by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. And mm-hmm. in this episode, he also directed Joseph and Paul's teleplay. There you go. There you go. So that okay. was. This is their second writing credit of seven this season. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they did Descent. We have several guest actors. Uh, actually, there's a lot. I'm only going to highlight a few of them. Fine. We've got Peter Anderson, who plays Dr. Richard Fleming. We saw him at the very beginning until yep. he died. Uh, yeah. He's an actor <laughs> known for Stargate and The Man in the High Castle and X-Files. Oh, yeah, okay. And apparently mm-hmm. he is married to Melody. Nice. And that's all okay. it said on IMDb. He is married to Melody. I'm like, okay, Melody who? Melody what? Melody. Well, uh, okay. Melody. Melody. Obviously, Melody. Melody. Probably Melody. Anderson. Who knows? But uh, um, it's not guaranteed. Wasn't, wasn't River Song originally named Melody? Uh, yes. Melody something. Melody. Um, Melody. I mean, we're we're totally Pond. Melody Pond. Melody Pond. Pond. That's because it. Because she was River yeah. Song. See. Yes. There you go. Yep. It, and in any case, that has nothing to do with Stargate. No, no, it doesn't. I, I, I'll think of it. I'll, you keep going. I'm going to think about how I can draw that. Back all right, all right. Carry on. Uh, so Peter has a whopping 23 acting credits from 1982 to the present. Um, that, yeah, which okay. is kind of amazing. Uh, his yeah. first IMDb credit was uh, the movie Big Meat Eater when he played Alderman Sonny the Weasel. Okay. <laughs> there you hey, go. Hey, who are you talking? I'm an alderman. Sonny, you're a weasel. Hey. But that's how it went. <laughs> sure. I'm sure that's exactly what happened in that movie. <laughs> the next person I want to talk to is uh Blue uh Mankuma. Mm-hmm. Uh he played Sheriff Knox. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. actually a native of Seattle, Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. However, in uh, the Vietnam War, during the Vietnam War, he was an actual draft dodger, and he dodged the draft, and yep. he mm-hmm. moved to Vancouver. And mm-hmm. he, since uh, then, he's been in Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. Um, he quickly produced and established a following among producers and directors. And uh, has a very impressive resume for film, television, theater credits. Uh, and he's apparently one of the busiest actors in Canada, in that area. Nice. He is an avid musician, singer, songwriter, stage actor, all of those things. He has provided voiceovers for radio and appeared in numerous television commercials throughout mm-hmm. his career. Um, his real name is actually Michael George. Mm-hmm. But he decided to adopt an African name that he created for himself, Nakimo Mankuma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because he was in a band called King Blue, Lady Rose, and the Exotics, mm-hmm. of which he was the King Blue there, mm-hmm. he later became nicknamed Blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his drummer, Dave 
McKinnon suggested that he drop the E in blue and he just becomes blue B-L-U. And so mm-hmm. that's how okay. he becomes blue Mankuma. Blue Mankuma. Nice. Uh, he has, uh, he's also a good friend with uh, Don S. Davis. Uh, oh, lots nice. of things. He has almost 200 credits on Jeez, IMDb. Uh, most notably, uh, his voice was in three episodes of Stargate Infinity. Oh, okay. So if you want us to review episodes where Blue speaks, uh-huh. go to patreon.com. <laughs> <Blue> speaks. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, That's fun. And he mm-hmm. was in an episode of Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, <laughs> way back in 1995, bringing that old gem back around. Yes! Bringing back the oldies. Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, so, Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. Yeah. Haven't heard that name in a while, but there it is. Awesome. Uh, his first IMDb credit was in 1979 when he played mover number one in the TV movie Letters from Frank. Okay. Hey, where do you want this couch? Over there. Okay. I'll put it over there. Here's mover number one. So yep. that is Blue Mankuma. We have Vincent Gale, who plays the deputy and Agent Cross. Mm, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he received his stage training at the Royal Academy of Music and Drama in Glasgow, Scotland. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. And his acting credits include Beggars in the House of Plenty, in which he appeared with Babs Chula, uh, Criminals in Love, The Miracle Worker, and The Relapse. Those are all stage shows that he's been in. Uh, Mm -hmm. He won the Best Dramatic Actor Award from the Alberta Motion Picture Industry for his role of Jimmy in Border Town Cafe. Okay. Uh, Nice. He's been in all sorts of shows, including Van Helsing, Supergirl, Supernatural, Stargate Universe. We will see him Mm. in Stargate Universe. Different character. Pretty sure. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, X-Men Evolution, and Mm. many, many more. His first IMDb credit was in 1980 when he played Mm. James in the TV miniseries The Lost Tribe. There you go. Okay. We have uh, Michael Eklund, who plays the dark-haired man, uh, Jared Tobin. This is the the security guard, I believe, who works at uh, Immunitech. Uh, He was born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an actor and producer known for The Call in 2013, Errors of the Human, uh, Errors of the Human Body in 12, uh, Aid Weird in, mm-hmm. uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. He's got tons of various credits throughout his career. I'm not going to go into all of those, but his first credit was in 2000 when he played Reese in The Other Side of Being. Okay. So, there's that. And then There's we have that. Scott McNeil, who plays a townsperson. And now I can't remember which townsperson he is. Um, is he the the, 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 the the guy in the bar with lines? No, uh, he's not that guy. Uh, that guy hmm. has a, a, a nickname, Squatch. And I got tired Squatch. last night when I got that far. <laughs> and so I'm not going to talk about him. But, but <laughs> with a nickname <laughs> like Squatch, the, yeah. I, I wanted to. But I'm like, oh, I'm just tired. I ran out of time. Just too much. Well, then, yeah, I don't know. So, all right, fine. But, There's, there was another townsperson. But we have Scott McNeil, who plays this townsperson. Uh, he was born in 62 in Brisbane, Australia. 
mm-hmm. he's known for his work on Dragon Ball Z, Scooby-Doo hmm. 2 Monsters Unleashed, and Beast Wars Transformers. Often okay. he does multiple voices when he does his voice work. So mm-hmm. in Beast Wars Transformers in 1996, he actually uh, did the voice of four distinct characters. Mm. Uh, Predacon, the Flyer Waspinator, Maximals Rat Trap, Dinobot, and Silverbolt. Mm-hmm. Um, he has done more than any other actor in that series. There you go. He has a whopping 389 credits Whoa! on IMDb. What? <laughs> Does he sleep? I, well, no. I guess not. Probably not. He's got a gold. Well, yeah. yes. Of course an infinite gold. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Um, yep. We will see him again in a future episode of SG-1. Um, oh, nice. We won't see the townsperson, but we'll see Scott McNeil. Gotcha. His first credit was in 1970 when he mm-hmm. played Padre Damien slash and more uh, in the Mexican movie Cristo 70, uh, okay. which has something to do with Jesus Christ because the picture of is of somebody <laughs> on a cross crucified. Okay. Um when I looked at things up, uh, I think that he is playing, because in 1970, he was like eight. Uh, yeah. He's playing like the young version of Padre Damien, who was played by a different actor as an gotcha. adult. Uh, probably in flashbacks. Who knows? It's But there you go. There you go. Uh, IMDb did not have any other information about Cristo 70, so I don't know exactly what it's about or what's going on. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But there you could go. be like Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. It 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 could be. Probably not. You know, it's not impossible. I have it's no idea. And if you don't know anything about Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, look it up. It is a gloriously terrible B movie. Oh, it, it is may the even best be worst a D E F G Z movie. Uh, it absolutely is a Bane quality movie. Oh, uh, you know, I will be the first to admit that Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter makes Bane look really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. There you have there it. There you have it. <laughs> so, uh, there we go. We uh, This episode, Nightwalkers, originally aired on July 12, 2002. Mm-hmm. Number one on the charts. Charts. I can't speak. Number one on the charts. Charts. The charts was hot in here by Nelly. <laughs> You're JFK. <laughs> in the U.S., it was still hot in here by Nelly. That suddenly turned into like Catherine Hepburn or something. I don't know. Like, carry on. In any going. case, uh, uh, what we really need is the U.K. because they were listening to a little less conversation. Yeah. And that's probably what we need. <laughs> Uh, nice. So, uh, well, if you need a little less conversation, then what you really need is one of those little flashy things they have in Men in Black 2 and 1 oh, that nice. erases your memory, you know, yeah. which is probably why uh, JFK was actually killed and there's this confusion because the Men in Black people were there erasing people's memories. They probably oh. missed a couple of people. I see. All of this, I because see. there's problems with all of this, and this isn't, you know, an issue at all with anything. Not at all. This leads to the road to perdition. <laughs> Which is number two. Okay. 
going, keep going, keep going. Perdition. What is that but a rain of fire? Oh, gosh. And when do you have fire? But you have fire when you're talking about demons and, and spirits and all of that. And when do you have demons and spirits and all of that? But in Halloween, and there's a resurrection. Oh, Christo 70. Well, there you go. Right back there. <laughs> and number five this week, because it's there, is Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler. No. Yeah. Oh, boy. That well, well done ish. Ish, D- definitely well done in the making me laugh factor. Oh, that good. is good. That was that was there, but several of those laughs are definitely the grown version. But that is also its own version of excellent. So, well, you know, I, I am much better at making people laugh in a grown version than laugh <laughs> in something else. So, ah, <laughs> <sighs> uh, you did fine. It was good. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So what was happening at this time? First of all, you may notice that it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. The last episode was oh. late June, I think like the 28th or something. So this is a couple of weeks later. Gotcha. Uh, so on July 1 in 2002, the International Criminal Court is established to prosecute individuals for genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes, and the crime of aggression. Which, mm-hmm. without any further elaboration, the crime of aggression is really broad. Well, they want to make sure that they, uh, they, 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 have, they give themselves the latitude for jurisdiction. Ah, well, you know, there you go. Because <laughs> who's going to come by and be all like, actually, no, we are the different international court and we have jurisdiction over this version of aggression. Right? Indeed. So, uh, yeah. There is the big question in all of this is who has, do they actually have jurisdiction over people right. and how do you navigate right. that? Uh, but there you go. Uh, On July 2nd, Steve Fawcett becomes the first person to fly solo around the world nonstop in Mm -hmm. a balloon. Mm Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. Around the world in 80 days, or... I think it might have taken him longer. Probably. Um, Yes. So... Actually, I really don't know, now that I say that out loud. Well, I mean, I'm imagining around the balloon, world in 80 days certainly a... used balloons, but it wasn't always yes. about balloons. It was just about getting around Correct. the world in 80 days. Yes. Uh, if you're only using a balloon, who knows? Uh, now, if you are really high up in you know, the latitude or low That's in the latitude, it's a lot exactly easier to right. go around. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. And also, uh, if I remember right, the balloon that they were using was like a high-altitude balloon. Ah. And so, like... They were up in the jet stream, which means that it might have taken them far less than 80 days to get around. I'll look that up. You keep going. All right. So on July 5, Ted Williams, baseball Hall of Famer and the last player to bat over 400 in a single season for the Boston Red Sox, dies mm-hmm. at the age of 84. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So. July 6th, it's Wimbledon time. The Wimbledon women, Women's Tennis Tournament is going on, and Serena Williams beats her older sister, Venus Williams, 6-7 and 6-3, for her very first Wimbledon singles title. There you go. So congratulations to you, Serena, 20 years after. Well, 19. Yeah. Uh, Zach, I've got a, I've got a, a, a time for the circumnavigation in a solo balloon flight. Oh, yes. You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, it was, why are there two different times? I don't know. I'll read it both. I'll read both though. The duration and distance of this solo balloon flight was 13 days, eight hours and 33 minutes. Wow. 
two weeks. But apparently 14 days, 19 hours, 50 minutes to landing. So I'm not sure where that extra day and and, and 11 hours comes from. But whatever. Anyway, so yeah, 13, basically 13 days around the world. Well, you know, the, the landing spot was just really crowded. There was a lot of air not- traffic going on. So he was just having to <laughs> circle the airport until it was his For turn to land. Uh, and they come in real slow. Well, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Actually, balloons oh, can funny. come down pretty hard. Yes. Yeah, I'm being. Yeah. Me. I'm being me. Anyway. They basically go straight down. They just... Okay. Uh, on July 7th, a mm-hmm. scandal breaks out in the United Kingdom when news reports accuses MI6 of sheltering Abu Qatada, a supposed leader of al-Qaeda. Oh, wow. Huh. That would be scandalous. Yeah, that would be. A little bit later, on July 9, the African Union is established in Addis uh, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first chairman is Thabo Mbeki, president Mm -hmm. of South Africa. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. there you go. And on July 14, two days after this episode airs, Mm-hmm. President French President Jacques Chirac escapes an assassination attempt unscathed during <laughs> a Bastille Day celebration. Wow, I don't remember this at all. I don't either. But there uh, it is. There it is. There you go. Yep. All right. Are you ready for some trivia for this episode? Yes. So let's get into it. The name on Agent Cross's jacket actually says P. Mully. For Paul Mully, because hey, he wrote I know this Paul episode. Mully. Yep. Um, Steveston, Richmond, uh, British Columbia, is used to represent Steveston, Oregon. Oh, uh, there you go. This is the same town that was used in Storybrook in ABC, used as Storybrook in ABC's Once Upon a Time, hmm. and in Godzilla as the town where Lieutenant Ford Brody joins the nuclear bomb headed to San Francisco. Hmm. Um. Originally, in this episode, they were going to name the town Springfield, out of Springfield from The uh, Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were too many signs that said Steveston oh, in the town gotcha. that gotcha. they thought that that was just going to be too much dif- challenge, too difficult, so they went back to Steveston. Yep. Uh, the various town in this episode, uh, there are several businesses featured. Uh, we've got the Kisamos Greek Taverna. We've got Steve's mm-hmm. Coffee Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're all located in here. The TV series, blah, blah, blah. Okay, did all that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Fun. All right. Uh, Jonas says that using stem cells to create a human clone is illegal. Mm-hmm. Technically, that is not true. In Canada, it is true. In Canada, at that point in time, it, there was laws against human cloning. You could not do that huh. in Canada. Yeah. However, yeah. in Oregon, at that time, there was no law, state or federal, against human cloning. Huh. That's fun. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode of the series to not feature Richard Dean Anderson. This is the first step episode he has not huh. been in at all. Interesting. And because uh, we have said goodbye to Daniel Jackson, and 
uh, O'Neill is not in this episode. This also is then the first episode in Stargate history where none of the original movie characters are involved. Gotcha. Wow, um, man. How far have we come? Yeah. There are only four examples of such episodes where neither of those two characters are in it. In the whole, Interesting. In the whole series. Yeah. Okay. Impressive. Uh, as I mentioned, the director, Peter DeLuise, does make a cameo appearance walking outside of the diner when SG-1 is eating inside. Gotcha. Uh, we do have a quote from Joseph Malazzi here. Mm-hmm. This was one of my favorite episodes of the show's sixth season, simply because it was so different from other episodes we'd done. An mm-hmm. old-fashioned small-town alien invasion story. Loved the gang all decked out in leather. Vincent Gale, who would let her play the part of the cranky Carl Binder Morrison on Stargate Universe, appears as Agent Cross in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role of Sheriff Knox is played by the terrific Blue Mankuma, a good friend of the late Don S. Davis. Uh, Blue mm-hmm. and I shared an affinity for ribs, lamb ribs mm. in particular. I loved them okay. so much, he says, in fact, that I was the lamb rib hotline. Whenever my favorite barbecue joint, the Memphis Blues Barbecue Restaurant, made a batch, they would give me a call, and I'd drive right over. (laughs) I remember one night sitting down to a platter of ribs. So wholly focused was I on devouring them that I didn't even notice Blue until he was standing right beside me, saying, Breathe. <laughs> you gotta you gotta put some oxygen back into your body Absolutely. there, Joe. Like that that that's that's a requirement for, for living. Yep. <laughs> yep. Put the ribs down, big guy. Yeah. That's funny. <clears throat> okay. Nice. So this episode, the title in other languages. Yes. The Italians call it Nightwalkers. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, it's called Nighthawks. And in oh, Czech, yeah. Night Shift. Uh All this makes perfect sense. The Hungarians say the sons of the night. Okay. All right. The French call this the secret experiment. Uh, Okay. Getting a little closer. Getting getting warmer. Getting warmer. And the Germans. They call this episode. Gould invasion in a small town. (laughs) In the hands of the Gould. You're kidding me! (laughs) Germany! Stop it! Stop Stop it! it. Put down the spoilers. Put them down. Put them down. There. Now come up with something other than an obvious name. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. (laughs) Are we ready for the synopsis? Yeah, let's 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 dive into this. All right, here we go. The synopsis for Stargate SG-1's sixth season episode number five, Nightwalkers. You're stressed. You're doped up on amphetamines. You've not slept for days. You're convinced someone is out to get you. And so you flee for safety through the dark, rainy night. Pulling out your 2002 cell phone, you make the call, hoping that the Air Force officer will be able to help You're an Air Force major working in a top-secret facility whose task is to protect the world from bad guys from other planets. Yes, that sounds crazy, but it's true! 
It's two o'clock in the morning and you're asleep. The phone rings and you hear a frantic and panicked voice on the other side of the line. He knows who you are. He knows what happened to you. Someone is trying to kill him. He needs your help. Suddenly, before you can figure out whether or not this is real or a dream, you hear a screech and a crash and the line goes dead. Well, that's not good. Major Samantha Carter, therefore, reports this incident to her superior, the Major General George S. Hammond. At the briefing with Hammond and the rest of SG-1, except for Colonel O'Neill because he is still tokerfied, Carter reports on all she knows about the mysterious Dr. Richard Fleming, the man who called her last night. Somehow, he knew about the Gould symbiote that Adrian Conrad stole and had implanted in himself. How? Why? We don't know. Where is he now? Again, we don't know. His car crashed, but his body wasn't found. Is he dead? Uh, still don't know. We don't know much, do we? But whatever is going on, we need to figure it out. And so Carter, Teal'c, and Quinn head to the small town of Steveston, Oregon to look for answers. There's a strange vibe around the town from the very beginning. They stop first at the sheriff's office. Carter goes inside while Jonas keeps an eye on Teal'c. Of course, Carter also told Teal'c to keep an eye on Jonas. Carter first meets briefly with Deputy Cross before meeting Sheriff Knox. The two discuss Dr. Fleming's car accident. Knox reveals that Fleming's laboratory at Immunitech Research was burned. Possibly on purpose? We don't know. Yes, yes, it was on purpose. It was definitely arson. Gasoline, we'll learn about that later on in the series. Episode. Afterward, our trio of heroes visit the good doctor's home. Everything has been cleaned out. There is nothing on his computer and nothing of interest after a thorough examination. But while they are there, a package is delivered to the house. Strange. It's a package addressed to Dr. Fleming from Dr. Fleming. Flagrantly ignoring laws about opening other people's mail, Major Carter tears into the box and discovers a large syringe filled with an unknown liquid. Their next stop will need to be to Immunitech. That night, many people from the town ominously gather in a large boathouse in town. They need to be prepared to do something if the three uninvited visitors find anything of significance. Dun, dun, dun! The next morning, Dr. Carter reveals to Jonas and Teal that she did not find anything useful at Immunitech. But Jonas points out that the people in the restaurant where they are eating have all been acting strangely for some time. Putting way too much sugar in their coffee, reading the same article in a newspaper for way too long, screwing up a whole lot of orders, etc., etc. Suddenly, Deputy Cross comes in and brings Carter to the sheriff. Sheriff Knox tells her that indeed something in, someone intentionally created a fire at Immunitech. As I said before, it was arson. Someone, something is going on. He then admits that two months ago, another worker at Immunitech named Peter Stouffer, who happened to be somebody who worked closely with Dr. Fleming, also vanished and was never found. He hands a stack of heavily redacted documents from Immunitech to Carter. Perhaps she can solve this mystery. In their motel, Carter tells her friends that Stouffer and Fleming ordered materials on stem cell research which could be used for cloning. In the evening, Jonas and Teal'c enter a bar to drink some ginger ale and to talk about being aliens on Earth. 
a perfect place to do that, if you ask me. But things get heated when three locals decide that our heroes are sitting in their seats. Fortunately, the sheriff walks in and intervenes before anything can happen, and the day is saved. Yay! Jonas and Teal depart without incident, but then something odd happens. The sheriff threatens the locals. Do not disturb the operation. If you do, I'll kill you myself. The next morning, Jonas sees one of the locals at breakfast. He goes to apologize for the misunderstanding last night. But the man insists that he wasn't at the bar and that Jonas has mistaken him for someone else. Weird. Departing the diner, SG-1 realizes that someone is spying on them. And not doing a very good job of it. Confronting the man, he reveals himself to be a former security guard for Immunitech. Fleming warned him that something was wrong and that they only come out at night. The man believes that Fleming was murdered and is scared for his own safety. He was trying to decide if the three visitors could be trusted. Stuff just gets weirder and weirder as the story progresses. The pieces, all these pieces here, jog something in Jonas's memory, and he leads them to the old shipyard that closed down several years ago. Oddly, there are a lot of fresh tire tracks around the shipyard. They go in to investigate, and they are surprised at what they find. Blueprints, lots of encrypted data disks, and an unfinished spacecraft! (gasps) Someone is building a spaceship in the old shipyard! That evening, while Carter attempts to decrypt the disks, Teal'c and Jonas return to the shipyard to observe who may show up and what may be going on. Suddenly, many things happen simultaneously. Carter discovers that the builders of that ship are, in fact, Gua'uld. The town is infested by Gua'uld. Oh, no. Folks from the town are bearing down on her position in her motel room. This is a real big problem. Tilk and Jonas are captured by the local deputy and forced into a van. Oh, no. Carter realizes that the people are coming and she can't stop them at all. And she looks at that giant syringe and wonders. She wonders. In the van, the deputy identifies himself as Agent Cross of the NID to Teal'c and Jonas. They have been monitoring this whole situation and want SG-1 to just get out before they ruin everything. The NID wants the Gulabult to finish their starship so that they can take it from them. Okay, you may be wondering in this synopsis what exactly is going on. Mm. Immunitech was working on okay. cloning, but not human cloning. Rather, they were cloning Adrian Conrad's Gua'uld. Their purpose was to find some kind of miracle cure for everything. But things got out of hand, and the Gua'uld escaped and infested the town people. But the Gua'uld are all infants, because you know when you clone something, you know, we clone them and they become adults. They clone, they become babies, and they have to grow up. And so all these Gua'uld are infant Gua'uld, and so they can't exert full control over the hosts, and so they only come out at night when their hosts are sleeping. We are- Okay, back to the story. Meanwhile, Carter, having been captured by the sheriff and townspeople, is infested by a gold clone! Oh no! This doesn't look good! Not good at all! Cross takes Teal'c and Jonas to the motel to gather Sam and send them on their merry way, but they discover that Sam was captured. Cross calls in the troops to secure the town. Great, this whole process has been screwed up and we don't get our spaceship anymore. But the problems arise when we discover that Cross's partner has been taken over by a Gua'uld. Oh no! Oh no! Shooting them with a Zat gun, he takes Cross, Tilk, and Jonas captive. The three wake up tied to chairs. Sam is there, but she looks different. 
The bad guys implant a ghoul into Cross. New plan, guys! Let's take over the NID! Woohoo! Cross and his partner head off to direct the NID troops and to execute their new plan. Ghoul Carter reveals that Teal'c is Jaffa. Shofa! And that Jonas is an alien that nobody really trusts. And so they should just kill them both. <laughs> Agent Cross is talking to his NID troops about securing the town and blah, 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 all that stuff. When Carter pulls up in a car, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be over there. Blah, 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 blah. The ghouls talk privately and proceed to boast about how the humans have no idea what's happening. When suddenly Carter pulls out her own zat gun, reveals that she's not actually a ghoul and that the snake heads aren't near as smart as they think they are. She zaps them both and the day is saved. Yay! Back at the SGC, Carter reveals that the substance in the syringe prevented the Gould from taking her over, and so she shot herself up when she knew they were coming. These Gould were created in the lab to be susceptible to this particular antibiotic, and so the drug acted like a vaccine for her. Her Gould died quickly, and she just played along from then. The rest of the townspeople have all been degoulded, and the alien ship is being sent to Area 51 for further studies. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Nightwalkers. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Hmm. Well, by the end of the episode, I had just one question on my mind. Okay. This episode had told me a story, took place on Earth. There were twists. There were turns. We thought we knew what we thought we knew, and then it turned out that there was something that wasn't being that that we found out, and it wasn't what we thought it was. By the end of the episode, there was one thing that was burning in my mind. Okay. When Major Carter asks Jonas Quinn if they should get lunch, do you think that's a euphemism? <laughs> no, no, it's not a euphemism. <laughs> No. This episode, I am disappointed. Now, this is, I think, two times where we read a quote from Joe Malazzi, and he's all like, I love this episode. It was great. It was super fun to do, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here like, what? What, dude? Really? I mean, I guess it's fun when you're the executive producer of a multi-million dollar television show that is wildly successful and now enjoying its rebirth in a new network to go around and play with a different uh, genre entirely and to have the cast and crew go along and shoot it well and to have a pretty decent, you know, like setup and to not just like bomb on the thing. But like there was literally nothing about this story that made me go, oh, I didn't see that coming except for one part. When the little baby ghoul will were introduced into the story, I'm like, oh, okay. Ooh, this could get real interesting. A foothold situation on Earth? This could be really cool. Oh, wait, they, fi- they, they figured it out. All right. Um, okay. All right. Well, I guess we got a half-built ship, and the NID are still idiots, and the ghouls really aren't as smart as they think they are. And uh, we got to play around uh, pretending that, you know, we had, uh, you know, small-town alien infestation going on. Um I don't know. I mean, this thing was just kind of like this thing was milk toast, at least for me. <laughs> um, like he, nothing was bad. It wasn't bad. Um, there were enough moments in the story where I'm like, oh, that's that's a convenient turn or that was a weird decision uh, that I thought it was a little peculiar. It did seem like there were a couple of aspects of the story that just didn't land very well. Like the the, the security guards stalking them the whole time. It was like, the, you know. Turns out that guy is going to be a good guy. Yep. 
turns out turns out that guy's going to be a bad guy yep turns out um that bad guy didn't realize he was a bad guy because he was being brainwashed okay if that's the case why were they being brainwashed and sitting in a bar <laughs> why were they not being brainwashed and working on the ship <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay um hey hey even the Gould have union rules they have to follow. <laughs> Look, buddy, it's break, all right? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, this episode wasn't bad, and they did a good job with what they did with it. It's just that the story was just so linear. I mean... One one thing to the next to the next to the next. I mean, I I was watching it like fall down the hill the entire time, mm. and it's like, eh, but here we are. Um, again, the only spots where it got intriguing because I didn't necessarily see it coming was the reveal that it was Gould that were a part of. I, although I guess I kind of should have seen that coming with Adrian Conrad being part of it. I don't know. Fine. I got. I was like, oh, cloning the Gould. I didn't see that coming. And then. Um, Having the NID there was like, of course the NID is there. Like, <laughs> even that felt predictable. Like, it's just like, oh, gosh, I mean, what's going on with this? And so, yeah, the end of the episode, a town doesn't realize what had happened. Um, a half-built alien ship, maybe some more information. And Adrian Conrad, who is still at large, is playing around with the gold inside his head. Great. Wait a minute. No. Didn't the NID have Adrian Conrad? Adrian Didn't Conrad Q? is currently... Actually, the NID don't have him anymore. He's um, in SGC custody, or at least, you know, Air Force custody. But it's not the NID that have him in custody anymore. Um, but, so here's your timeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Adrian, please. Please help me, because this thing currently is a bit... Is, is slowly turning into a train wreck as I'm talking Adrian about Adrian Conrad captures the Gould, yes. and he studies it for a period of time before he eventually implants it in himself. Yes. Clearly, they uh, took DNA samples and cell samples oh, and all of that okay. stuff all from right. the okay. Gool. Okay, 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 okay. And the result is yeah. that um, yeah. um, uh, they now have this DNA stuff. And yep. so they can work with that and do all of that fun stuff. Um, and the cloning, the cloning and dolly and the sheep, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that's that's the plan. So, yes, Adrian Conrad is still incarcerated at this point in time, but uh, uh, the Immunitech and such can still have all of their Google stuff. Fine, fine. There. And so off they go, and they're doing their thing, and then this one guy realizes what's going on, and so he, 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 he heps himself up on amphetamines and discovers the real truth of it, and... Um, uh, smuggles out a syringe of the sulfur-based antibiotic and mails it to himself and obviously has a dead man switch on it because, like, how could he have known that that that, that it was, like, imminent? Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, whatever. That part also was a little bit goofy. And then, like, Carter takes a look at this sulfur-based uh, <laughs> antibiotic and as... as People are storming the gates. Did, was she informed that they were ghouled at that point? Uh, so she was studying the. Oh, she figured out that the, it was the discs, and Yeah, she decrypted them and realized that those were ghouled notes. And she realized yeah. from all of that what was going on. And she then learned in that process that um, 
our good friend, uh, our, our, she had the, that she had the, uh, the, the the Gould had the dead men switch in them, and that this was the stuff that would uh, click them and and kill them. Mm, no, she learned that later. Well, well, I guess when you're talking about she. I'm talking about the timeline. She's in the motel room. Everybody's coming to get her, and she pulls out the syringe, squirts it, and decides, I know what I'll do. I'll inject myself with the antibiotic. That'll stop them. And so, I get it. Towards the end, she was like, she's just taking a risk. She had nothing to lose. But I'm looking at the story going, well, that was dumb. So at somewhere in that period, before, like, after Jonas and Tilk went to the shipyard to stake it out, and mm-hmm. bef- so between... They left, and when the uh, townspeople came to uh, capture her, uh, the somewhere in there, uh, she learned that a there were Gulwulds, uh, b that these Gulwulds had a dead man switch. Where she learned that, it's hard to tell. Uh, presumably, somewhere in the notes of Doctor Fleming. Um, okay. <laughs> because that wouldn't yeah, have been in the Gulwuld stuff that they no. encrypted uh but she learned Correct. that and she figured that oh this stuff is probably the uh dead men's switch and so she figured at that point in time she didn't have anything to lose and she stabbed herself with it and figuring that uh it would hopefully it would work and it certainly yeah. did and that was a good yeah. thing yeah yeah so uh, i don't know it just felt it it yeah. I got to, the, like I said, I got to the end of the episode and there was only one thing that I was curious about. And that was whether or not a line was intended to be read as something else. Wink, wink. Um, like, <laughs> I, this, this, one, this one came and went for me. I don't know. Fair what about you? What did you think about this episode? So, so this is a little bit of a complicated episode for me. Um, mostly because um, of when I first watched this episode. Mm-hmm. So I first watched this episode. It had to have been shortly after it came out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, at the time I watched this episode, when it shortly came out, I had not... This is the first se- sixth season episode of Stargate I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I hadn't heard about Daniel's departure. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen the previous episode, so I had no idea what was going on with O'Neill. Mm-hmm. All I knew is that uh, we had this uh, it was Stargate. And I'm like, yay, it's Stargate. And I'm like, where's O'Neill? Okay, he's not here, but okay. Where's Daniel? Who's this mm-hmm. new guy? Mm-hmm. Where, what is going on? Surely they'll explain this somewhere along the lines. Um, and obviously they never did because they dealt with that before. Yep. But I was coming into this not having known what happened to Daniel, not having known what happened to... Um, uh, O'Neill, mm-hmm. but it was Stargate, and this was kind of a point in 2002 following where I was able to begin to get back into the show mm-hmm. and to start watching it again and and engaging with Stargate uh, in live time. Mm-hmm. And so this episode kind of has uh, a special place in my heart for that reason. Sure. Um. That said, as far as the episode itself, um, there are a lot of great moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love that shot of uh, Jonas and Teal'c walking into the bar and those three guys turning around yep. and staring back at them and then just kind of, you know, this ominous stare that they have. And they do it mm-hmm. perfectly mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, you know, I-, I-, I love that scene. 
Um, I appreciate seeing the NID again, even if they're a little bit buffoonish. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we got to remember that the NID are still an issue. They're still around. Um, and they're still doing things. I mean, how can I forget? Well, you can't because they just reminded you in this episode. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Hey, we're still here. All right. Yep. I mean, we're still here being bad. Okay. Don't yep. forget. Off well, go, and, and now that said, this particular uh, mission was, as far as we can tell, a fully above board mission. So keep Which in I, mind that fine. the NID is an official branch of national intelligence. Um, yes. And, you know. And in canon, it is firmly established that they're idiots who need to not exist anymore. Well, you know. Sanctioned or no. Fair enough. I suppose that they, <laughs> that's a true statement. Um, you know, I, I like how this story... Um, brings back the Adrian Conrad story. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we are learning in this episode is that uh, the Gould presence on Earth is getting more and more, uh, or getting less and less contained, right? Yes. Uh, it, it, yes. Uh, things are spreading. People are learning things. This is a situation where apparently the townsfolk uh, didn't learn about everything, and fortunately they were able to inoculate everybody uh, there apparently weren't any uh, anti-vaxxers in that town, which is a good <laughs> uh, I didn't even think that that's the most unbelievable part of this story. <laughs> I, I suspect- a small town in rural Oregon guaranteed only 20% of those people got that vaccine. That's funny. Oh, you know, man. In 2002, it might have been different. Oh, that is um, so funny. No, 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 know, no, no, no. That's my point is like, like we thought the world was all the same in 2002 and it never was. Yeah. It just came to light later. Um, but the, the question still, be, you know, beg, all this begs the question, where <laughs> else might there be Gould yes. in our world yes. that um, uh, are there to cause problems mm-hmm. in whatever capacity that they might be? be there and do that um now this episode just asks that question it doesn't uh answer that question and i think that's a good thing that it doesn't um but it just it just opens that door as a possibility Mm -hmm. um you know let me give ourselves more fodder for future uh engagements future entanglements and the like um so let's see what happens there so as you're talking about this episode holding like a special place because this was like the first time that you were able to kind of really get back into it, I'm immediately, um, and I swear this is somewhat related, but I'm immediately remembering the first Doctor Who reboot episode that I ever saw, um, and it was Blink. It's like oh. this hallmark episode yep. of the new of the reboot of Doctor Who, but the role of the Doctor and any of the Doctor's companions is like really, really significantly reduced, right? Because the whole point of the story is about these other people that are having this adventure informed by information that the Doctor provides, but it's really just these other people. And so I was watching that episode going, oh, is this the new direction that they've taken Doctor Who? I thought that there was much more involvement of the Doctor, but I don't know, apparently not. Maybe he's just kind of bombing around and helping people out and they have these little like Twilight Twilight Zone stories that happen, like these little things. And of course, no, it was a very contained episode in a style that wasn't re- repeated much after that. 
But the reason why I am feeling so insistent on bringing it up, Zach, is because I told you I would find a way to get Doctor Who back and to bring it back to Stargate. <laughs> and I have done so just now. There Mission accomplished. you go. Yes. All right. I approve. <laughs> oh. oh, boy. I mean, yeah. you're right. There, I think that that's half the reason why I'm like, I'm, I'm clearly, I was not impressed with the story. Like, right. clearly I got to the end of it and I'm like, all right, fine. I, that, that happened. Um, but I'm not willing to like throw the whole thing out because you're right. There are things in here that are pretty, pretty cool, pretty neat. Like we brought, like you said, we brought back the Adrian Conrad story a bit and advanced it a bit. Um, your point is not lost that the Gould incursion on earth is less simple than it was it's getting sloppy not sloppy bad but just like sloppy right like it's 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 happening in ways that are less linear uh and more fractal and Uh that that will only create complications and complications are wonderful sources of tension and story so you know looking forward to that that and that that brings me back to the point of the only part in this episode where my eyes lit up is when i realized that there's a you know there's a town folk full of ghoul trying to do something like what's going on here um which was intriguing although i'm immediately thinking of seth um oh yeah right like right that situation was only one symbiote is that right where it was yes it was was, just mm -hmm. seth Mm-hmm. Um, and that one wrapped up too tidily as well. But But then you also have um Isis and Osiris. Yeah. Uh Osiris is yeah, lots of examples. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's out there. Um you know, so you've got this Adrian Conrad. Um might there be other Jaffa that have been yeah. captured along the way? Who knows? We don't yep. know. Yep. Um I mean, Gould certainly have ships. It's not impossible for those ships to get on and off the planet without mm-hmm. any problems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the uh, this is a problem. Uh, the Gould as a threat to Earth is not a problem that is external anymore. No. There are real examples, and this is a pretty significant one. They maybe got a right. handle on this, but still... Um, you know, you add A and B and C and D together, and you have to acknowledge that there's a lot more that you've got to deal with and yep. pay attention to. Uh, you've got the NID, which is maybe a legitimate organization, but uh, they also aren't a legitimate organization, and they have their own uh, agendas, which may not be in the best interest of the planet as a whole. And I'm absolutely comfortable with continuing to bag on the NID. I'm not going to lose a wink of sleep on this one. But I will admit that when he said they can lock the town down in 45 minutes, he wasn't kidding. That's true. Like, That's true. They did have the ability to just clamp on that whole thing and make it stop, but for the fact that they were also infiltrated. And also, I mean, aside from the infiltration of Cross's friend, uh, mm-hmm. partner, um, the plan that they had is a reasonable plan. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, hey, I just discovered that there's a town infested by ghouls, and their job, or their goal is to build a spaceship so they can get off-world. Uh, well, if we can monitor this and cut them off before they get a chance to depart, but after they have finished their spaceship... That's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. 
Um, so, Absolutely. you know, I mean, is there a risk in that? 100%. Yeah. But, I mean, when you think about it, that's a relatively low risk. The the, the townspeople are a little bit tired, but uh, assuming, we don't know this for a fact, but assuming the NID knew about the kill switch, um, who knows if they did or not, they didn't specify one way or the other, but let's assume they did, mm-hmm. then, you know, if things got, you know, hairy... Uh, Executing the kill switch wouldn't be all that ridiculously hard. Um, I mean, it's a small town. It's not like it's thousands and thousands of people. You're talking about hundreds of people, which admittedly is a big number. Um, But, you know, if you can lock down the whole town in 45 minutes. Yeah. uh, It's definitely a risky plan. It might not be wholly morally sound, uh, but it's not outside the realm of plausibility. Correct. And again, like, there was nothing about this story that was just, like, completely a disaster. Okay. Like, um, you know, I wasn't sitting here, like, rolling my eyes, like, that would never happen. <laughs> there was there was definitely a few things where I'm like, well, that's curious, and that's kind of a weird way, and that certainly resolved a little too conveniently. And the thing that actually I was most disappointed about was that nothing surprised me except for that Gould part there at two-thirds mark. Like, the whole thing, yeah. including the bad guy's really the good guy. The good guy's really the bad guy. They're going to find a thing. They're going to not find a thing. This is going to be a mystery. It was just like, it, it was so just straightforward. It was so linear in that regard that it, that it was just like, you know, all right, fine. Okay, here we are. There we go. Carry on. Moving on. Yep, that's it. Fair enough. Yeah, well, um, I can't argue with you on that it was a linear story <laughs> um it, it's not it's not a great story it, it's it's not a bad story not bad um uh it's a story that has a special place for me because sure. of what it marks um at the same time if i recall correctly uh i was confused about what was going on mm-hmm. uh because i didn't really know who adrian conrad was at the time and they were googled and where was jack and where was daniel and who's this new guy I don't understand. Uh, all of this stuff was happening, and I'm like, okay, yep. All right. Well, it was Stargate. Yay, go team. Yep. I mean, okay. I think that might be it. That yeah. might be the the way to summarize it. It's Stargate. Go team. And it's good. I mean, I I think it's good. It's is it great? No, it's not great. But it's Stargate. It keeps the story going. It's our characters. I love our characters. The the characters do what the characters do. Yep. Um. You know? I think I'm going to be harsher than, well, I mean, I know I'm going to be harsher than you on this one just because of our conversation, but I think that when we get to the ratings, I'm going to be maybe a little surprisingly harsh. Mm. Well, that is a great lead up to those ratings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you like how I just tossed you that softball there? Woo. And so I'm going to ask you, Brent, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm really curious as to what you're going to rate this episode. Okay. So please rate this episode. So, uh, all the time, all the time, I am rating uh, an episode highly if I enjoy the story. I am rating an episode poorly if I don't enjoy the story. And then there turn, you know, the the mitigating factors kind of come in. Like, you know, how is it shot? How was it paced? How was it acted? Um, Did I feel a certain thing afterwards? You know, those all come in and they're, you know, certain points are different levels of importance. But generally speaking, I'm always sitting here going, what did this story tell me? And in this case, yeah, I got a little more information on Adrian Conrad, a little. Yeah, I got the NID back and then they 
left ish. Um, yeah, there was this, you know, the, the, the definition of the ghoul world situation on earth got, you know, another piece of information, but it was tangential and separate and only genetically related, <laughs> certainly not <laughs> actually related. And, you know, so there was an awful lot about this. that was just kind of like, eh. and then the way that the story was driven, as I said, like not once did I have something happen where I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming except for when the ghouls were introduced as being the like the prote- or the antagonist in the situation. That was the only moment where I was like, oh, okay. But I got to tell you, if the show is called Stargate and and I'm sitting here going, "Oh, I didn't see the ghouls coming." Um that's more on me than anything else. <laughs> like should have seen that coming. Well, that does mean that you were engaged in the story in a way that you weren't thinking about things like that. You were letting the You're story right. hit you. That's right. And that's so, actually a good thing. I mean, you're right. You're right, which is why this is not a complete tank. But can I get myself over the hump? Because I don't do half ratings. Can I get myself... Yeah, all right, fine. I'm going to be what I think is generous. I'm going to give this a four out of seven. I was debating about giving it a three. Um, mm. I really do think this one is a skippable one. I don't doubt for a fact that some of this information is going to come into play later. Like I bet you, I bet you a box of donuts that there's going to be something about this episode that's going to come in at some point in our future. Um, probably specifically around the Conrad um, storyline and maybe around the area 51. We've got a half built Google ship. Let's learn something from it. But I'm almost always willing to bet you a second box of donuts that both of those story points will be easily reintroduced back into the overall overall story arc in a sentence and bang i'll have all the information and now then off we go again like i think that this is an episode that someone can not watch and be just fine fair enough so what about you what do you think so um i am not going to be verbose in my comments I'm going to say that I like this episode a little bit better than you. I actually expected you to hit at a three, and I was wondering, are you going to drop this down to a two? Um, based on how you were talking, like, I'm going to be harsh on this thing. And then you talked yourself out of being harsh and it yeah, was generous. Um, softy. So I am going to give this a 4.5. I'm going to uh-huh. go four and a half, just a little bit more than that. Um, so yeah, turns- but I'm coming at it from the bottom up. You're coming at it from the top down. Well, sort of. I'm just kind of coming at it like, there it is. Sideways. Sideways. <laughs> four and a half. It's a four and a half. Um, you know, it. it's not a bad episode. Um, no. it, it's, it may not be the strongest episode we have seen this season, and it may not be the strongest episode we've seen in a while and all of that stuff, but it, it's also not along the same levels as uh, Emancipation no, or of course Brief not. Candle right. or, frankly, Bane. Well, I don't know what you're talking uh, about on that one, but yeah. you know, teach their own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm going to give it a four and a half. There you go. All right. So are you ready to see what other people have yes. said regarding this episode? Let me briefly. I did tweet. I did do the tweet tweets. Um, and I don't see any predictions on the Twitters, which is fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I do it because I have to, but it's okay. It's all right. You, know, no, no, you no, just no. go to Facebook it, and the email. It's fine. You, sh- you should totally send predictions to Brent on, on Twitter That's so that, that he has something to do. Oh, gosh, I don't care. <laughs> so, Zach, over to you. Okay. All right. So, here we go. The first one we have today is JD. Hi, hey, JD. We haven't heard from JD in a while. So, welcome no. back, JD. Hey. Uh, he says, this is an episode full of fun twists and turns. 
What? I said it before, and I'll say it again. I like when SG-1 does genre stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> oh, is this going to be one of those times where JD's over here and I'm over there? Because I think well, it's going to be one of those times. <laughs> well, let me continue. Okay. He says, I think Zach will give it a four and a half. Whoa. That was right. right on the money. And Brent will be pleasantly surprised by how much he liked it and give it a five. No. It's a five <laughs> for me as well. <laughs> Dang, that was close, though. So, uh, well there done. you go. Uh, yeah. So, uh, JD, you uh, weren't way off. No, not at all. And, I had a uh, feeling that, that it was going to be way off. And no, 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 we're good. All right. Here we go. We have Sean. Hi, Sean. Richard Dean Anderson clearly had something else planned when they had filming arranged for this episode. <laughs> Golf trip. <laughs> so uh, he read this script. And he's like, all right, now you guys uh, got yeah. this. <laughs> what? This? No, no. You, you all go for of it. The, so he continues. This explains the random addition to the end of the last episode where he was stuck out of the world and not able to join us for this. Um, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not much else to say about this one, to be honest. It's quirky. He predicts sevens all, uh, not sevens, he predicts fours all around. I was going to say. Oh, he he, he illustrated four out of seven, and I just skipped the four because that's. Uh, I was going to say, how is that a seven? Um, also very close. Okay. All right. Not, not exact, but very close. Good job, Sean. All right. We have Warren. Hi, Warren. Brent will like this because it has zombies, not zombies. And because of new tech plans, seven out of seven, unless the lack of Jack puts him down to a five, (laughs) Zach will possibly go to an eight or seven and a half, unless he uses the redacted spoiler alert, ninth Chevron from uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, So Warren really liked this episode. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Way off, but hey. Uh, he, he, so, so, uh, David replies to Warren, nine? Uh, and Warren says, I thought it was fun. I'm with Brent on Bane too. Oh, <laughs> so, so he I thought see. that you would go Bane on this one. Oh, well, you see, the reason why it didn't happen is that there wasn't a moment at the end that just completely, the water gun scene in Bane just cemented it. Like. It was getting silly. It was getting goofy. I'm like, what is this? And then the water gun scene was like, that's it. That's it. This is the, this is the best. This episode didn't have a water gun. Ah. Mm-hmm. So the water gun is what made Bane everything. It, it, it really, it, 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 was a, it was a cherished moment. Okay. Watching those two actors smirk as they are literally <laughs> goofing around while film is being rolled. Like, like they're, they're on screen. It's like, it's happening. They're getting paid to do this. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we have Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly predicts that I will give it a five and you mm-hmm. will give it a six. Okay, okay. I call the Bane factor in for oh, Brent. Oh, yeah. It's a fun yeah. little mystery and it's also great to see Carter leading SG-1. 100%, I do like that. That uh-huh. Carter leads That's true. SG-1. She does a great job. Yes. Um, and see, your Bane just throws everything I got to tell you that if I look at this episode through Bane lenses, it does get better. I, I will uh, admit that. 
Okay. I will freely admit that. I didn't I did not put my Bane lenses on. Well, that was your problem, Brent. That was my problem. Okay. We have Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. <laughs> this episode isn't high on my Stargate rewatch list, yeah. but when I'm in the mood for X-Files, I'll usually pop this one in. Sure. I think this episode is a four out of seven, but I think Brent will give it a five, and Zach will give it a four out of yeah. seven. Yeah. So Very, very, very We're close. We're kind of in the same very ballpark yep. there. Same yep. ballpark there. Yep. We now have Tim. Tim says, I, I like this one, though not one of my favorites, and it has implications mm-hmm. down the road. Five out of seven for me. Zach will mm-hmm. give it a six, and Brent will give it a five. Yeah. Shift us down a notch. Yep. Ish. There you go. Yep. Dan. Oh, hey. I don't think we've heard from Dan before. I think we've heard from Dan before. And no, Dan, no, no. You we are haven't. very lucky because you uh, got this in. Like, like as we were podcasting, I saw on my, my yep. iPad, it says, comment from Dan. And I'm like, hey, you just got this in because we were literally talking yeah. as you did this. So congratulations. But, uh, Dan's, you got uh, it in. Dan's a first time uh, writer, right? Um, absolutely. This is, yep. this is his seventh first time. Yep. Thanks for listening, Dan. Thanks for listening. It's good yep. to hear from you. He says, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Good thing we could rip this off so no one would notice. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I know. We'll do something that's been never done before. Yep. Yeah. It's a oh, fair... fine. He says, it's a fair story, but yeah. the episode stands on its own in the long run. Four and a half for me and Ooh. Zach. Oh! <gasps> and Brent yes. will give this episode a five oh! because of the cheesiness. After oh, all, they're not so as smart close. as they think they are. Oh, so close. And again, with the, with the Bane, the Bane misdirect. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Everybody was expecting you to go Bane on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more than a little bit disturbing on a lot of different levels. All right, so those are our Facebook ones. Are you ready for uh-huh. the emails? Yes, let's do the email ones. We have Susan. Hi, Susan. She says, Jonas continues to eat and amaze us with yep. his power what of observation. That, that uh, His observation skills were pretty on point. It was. And, you know, I mean, for somebody who can read as fast, as quickly, and retain that information as much as he can, it mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, this was also one of the episodes, the last episodes that they w- allowed him to have any food. And uh, Peter DeLuise actually made a mention, uh, like, as he was getting out of the car, he had a lollipop. Yeah. And, and like, ah, oh, he snuck that one in there and we couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, back to nice. Susan. Yeah. She says. Uh, but how many more times can he notice just the right thing at just the right time without the trick-turning cliché? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. There were a couple of highlights. The best scene in the show was Jonas and Teal drinking ginger ale and meeting the locals at Krusty Bill's Bar. <laughs> and coming in a close second was fit-gooled Sam slapping Jonas around. Yeah. I will 100% agree with that. Those are two uh, great scenes, great moments. Um, I did think that both... That okay, Jonas may not have had the sense to do this, but I would have thought Teal'c would have said in the bar, "Look, we can't talk about the fact that we're aliens here, so shut up." <laughs> but he didn't do um, that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, at that point, I had glazed over. 
Fair enough. <laughs> so, go ahead and talk about you want to talk about. Yeah. This is an amusing standalone episode, which you should skip and not miss a thing. But you could skip and not miss a thing. Gotcha. So I yeah. give it a three. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was stunned I got the ratings right for you two last week, so I'll try to use some of the same logic that served me so well. Brent will give it a six because he'll rate this episode using the Bane rating scale. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> oh, I feel like I made and, a terrible mistake. And Zach will give it a four because of the Twin Peaks slash X-Files vibes and the nod to the Men in Black wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. and there's also a shot of um, Teal'c in his sunglasses and um, Jonah standing next to him. I think this is just before they went into the uh, uh, the shipyard. Teal'c is, mm-hmm. or Jonas is on his right and Sam is on his, her on his left. Mm-hmm. And they've got these long trench coat, dark trench coat types of things. And it's got a very strong Matrix look to yes. it. Yeah, I was noticing that they were doing some um, some focus stuff, and I couldn't tell if they were using a special lens for that, or if they were um, like putting everybody in focus in post or something. But like everyone was in focus on that one, and there wasn't enough light for it. I noticed the same thing. Had it definitely had a Matrix vibe. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Jacob now. Hi, Jacob. He says hi, Brent, Brent, and Zach. This is quite an extraordinary Stargate episode. No Richard okay. Dean Anderson. No gate travel. The episode always felt odd to me, but in a good way. Uh, The mysterious vibe throughout the show is intriguing, and one really wonders what the heck happens in town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think Zach will give it a solid five, and Brett rates it almost the same, but gives it a six chevrons because plus one for the German title, giving it all away (laughs) once again. Oh, that's a new uh, that's a new uh, new factor to consider. That Does it deserve true. a rating bump because the German title gave it away? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Oh my gosh! You know what? That's a good point. If I had known the German title going in in the hands of the Ghoul, then the Ghoul part wouldn't have even been a twist. Like, like the whole thing would have been just flat. Wow, that'd have been a disaster. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, there you go. And we have one more prediction from David. Hi, David. David says, seriously, I'm running out of jokes about Chevron encoding bias buffers. That's okay. There's, I get it. We've, how many times, well, hey, you know what, David? If I can keep coming up with um, impromptu uh, teaser content based off of a name of an episode alone, you can come up with Chevron encoding biases for these things. Hey, look at what I do with the the with the movie movies. titles. It's all train wrecks, dude. It's nothing but train wrecks. Just embrace the train wreck. So just just embrace it. Realize that you are going to crash into that broken bridge and embrace the ride on the way down. All the way down. Woo! Hey. <laughs> you'll have a bright light at the end of it. Uh something. Well, as the fire, you know, blows your Oh. Oh. That got dark, bright. That did get dark. dark. Okay, shall we actually read what he has to say? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> this is an out-of-character episode. Yeah. This is not what my SGT members are supposed to be doing. Black mm-hmm. trench coats, dark glasses, solving Scooby-Doo mysteries, not <laughs> leaving the planet again? Yep. Okay. Right. 
It's nice that there is a callback to an older episode, and there is a setup for the future in that some other entity that is not the NID is doing Gould cloning. That's something. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't okay. specifically talk right. about that, but we kind of touched on it. Yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, it's just not a good fit for our characters, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, cool trivia that will likely only appeal to me. This is the third actor from the animated series animated show Beast Wars that has appeared in Stargate this season. Oh. Gary Chalk, the Russian general, voiced Optimus oh, yeah. Primal. Uh, yeah. Venus Terzo from last week was Black Arachnia. And this okay. week we have Blue Mankuma, who was the voice of Tigatron and Tigerhawk and several others. As nice. we talked about earlier. Yep. That is a kind of a cool little uh, uh, fun fact there. So mm-hmm, I approve mm-hmm. that. Uh, I liked Beast Wars... A lot more than I liked this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yep. <laughs> so, Brent, we'll give this four chevrons because callbacks are interesting and that's about it. Yeah. Zach okay. will give it four and a half chevrons because are you kidding reasons. Me? <laughs> oh, David, does this mean that he pulls even? I think he got I think he got it perfectly right like two weeks ago. That was it, uh, it was that last week or the week before he got it perfectly Something like right. that. And that was his third uh, correct. And this is his fourth correct, meaning we now have three first place people right now. Oh, my goodness. And I would like to point out to you all, listener, that this is not rigged at all. Yes, David oh, no. does do a lot of things with the podcast. He helps sure. the other side of the gate and such. Yep. Uh, but we don't talk about these ratings at all. No. First of all, I don't know what I'm going to say about the ratings until literally Brent says, so what do you think? And I'm like, so I have to say, what do I think? (laughs) That's fantastic. Well done, David. Well done. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So good. So So those are the ratings. David, you got it right. Congratulations. Congratulations. I'll find a way to get a picture of your choosing on the website. Next week, Brent. Yes. The episode is titled Abyss. Okay. And I ask you, what is Abyss all about? Uh, Okie dokie. Abyss. Yes. Um, Okay. Next week on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. On this world, there is a society of people that seem to be very wrapped up in the enjoyment of a particular entertainment. I think I've done this before in some other thing. Whatever, I'm going to keep doing it. They're wrapped up in a particular enjoyment of a, of, of a particular, uh, 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 we'll, just, we'll just call it a show, okay? That's what we all know it as, is a show. A show. But this is an alien race, so that they have a completely different way of enjoying their show. Whatever, still same idea. Anyway, they have entire groups of people who are dedicated to talk about nothing but the show that they are all enthralled with. And these people seem to enjoy the creation of cottage industries that are basically entertainments based off of the entertainment. It's just entertainment all the way down. Entertainception. And one of the aspects that they seem to run into is a curious effect where certain individuals are charged with the um, humorous projection of what the show would possibly be doing next. And others are charged with the humorous inclusion of a trope, which must be repeated week after week, regardless of whether or not 
it is worth doing. And a third person is charged with not only a trope repeated week after week, but a trope based off of literally a list of names. And all three of these things keep sinking further and further into what is colloquially known as a train wreck, down into the chasm, bursting into flames with a light at the end of the tunnel down there. But really what we're talking about is a joke that is falling into the abyss. Well, that's meta. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 Abyss. So, uh, Zach. Yes? Is the next Stargate episode about a podcast about the Stargate show and three yahoos who keep trying to do the same joke over and again and just will not let it die no matter how bad it gets? No. Well, why not? That's perfect. That, that, that'd be a great episode. They should do that. Uh, I'm not arguing that right now. <laughs> I'll do that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, ouch. Um, uh, well, if it's not about that, then what's it about? It is about uh, our heroes doing some stuff. <laughs> you got to pull the thing. You got to pull the thing. You're, you're, you're struggling, aren't you? <laughs> so, you're, so, you're furiously trying to find the thing. It went over there and you're like, wait a minute. I thought it was here. <laughs> Shall shall we hit the button? Yes. Ready when you are. All right. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. You've been promising the safe return of Colonel O'Neill for days. Uh-oh. Where is he? Oh, hey, it's uh, that guy. I'm afraid it I'm is. bad news. Oh, no. Oh. <gasps> what? Oh. What? Again, again. Who are you? Colonel Jack O'Neill. Why have you come to this outpost? It will be far worse next time. This is you? How much can one man endure before breaking? Oh, oh boy. I don't know anything else. In time. It's all what? next time on Stargate SG-1. Oh, Lord. Be last One last time. Oh, boy. Oh, that's oh. terrible. <laughs> that's not... That's not a trip to a place that they are obsessed with the television show at all. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Uh, th- oh, that is right. Abyss. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, we'll look forward next week to finding out exactly what happens to O'Neill after he has been tokerified and uh, how it all plays out. And um, sarcophagified. And I mean, I'm assuming that was a sarcophagus. It looked like it was. It was indeed a sarcophagus. I will yes. give you that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, there's a lot going to be happening. There I guess they make up lot. for lost time. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next week, we will talk about this and yes. uh, find out what's happening with the abyss. Well, the abyss. Abyss. There's no yeah. article there. Uh, oh, yeah, special thanks to David yeah, for thanks, putting David. together this promo and all of the promos for us. Yay. We love them. They're awesome. Yes. That's fantastic. Um, so good. Know, uh, David did uh, 
uh, asking me questions about this one, about how to edit things and, and such. And so I uh, oh, for does Abyss? that. Yeah. And so we ah, talked yes. a little bit about that. And, gotcha. and uh, I am very pleased with how it turned out. So, yeah, well, David, good job. Super good. Thank you. Um, so, dear listeners, tell us what you think about Nightwalkers. Uh, tell us what you think about what we got right here, what we got wrong. Did we miss anything that was really, really important? Mm-hmm. All of those things. You can do that by email us, emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com or talking to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking or going to the Facebook page slash group. All of those things. And, you know, hit all the bells and whistles and buttons and subscribes and who, I don't know. Yep. Whatever all the it jazz. is. If you want to watch those promos as soon as I upload them to YouTube, you can go to YouTube and find uh, probably Stargate Walking or Stargate Walking yeah, or something. I, think I don't that's know. Right. It's there I somewhere. It's somewhere uh, there. But you can hit the subscribe button there and get those videos. Not that we have anything else, but we have those, and that's cool. That's uh, just fine. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> all of those things. Uh, Super good. Super good. Yeah. So. With all that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.